Hello and welcome to Sleep Cove, the podcast and YouTube channel to get a great night's sleep. Please listen to this recording in a place where you can safely go to sleep. Good evening everyone and I hope everyone is ready for a really good night's sleep. The episode tonight is a continuation of the Norse and Viking myths and legends I've read out on previous podcasts. A few people have been asking for them to continue. So here are a couple of new stories of Odin wandering Midgard. I really hope you enjoy it. Every episode of Sleep Cove is free and this is made possible with the help of our sponsors. So if you would like to support the podcast, please purchase from our sponsors using the Sleep Cove promo codes. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is a professional counselling service done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available which may not be locally available in many areas and the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counsellor. You'll get timely, thoughtful responses plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counsellors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. I've got a great offer for all Sleep Cove listeners. If you use the code SLEEPCOVE, you get 10% off your first month. So go to betterhelp.com sleepcove for 10% off. And let's begin. Part 2. The Stories of Odin the Wanderer Continue Odin faces an evil man. Once, when his wisdom was less great, Odin had lived in the world of men. Frigga, his queen, was with him then. They lived on a bleak island, and they were known as Grimner the fisherman and his wife. Always Odin and Frigga were watching over the sons of men, watching to know which ones they would foster and train, so they might have the strength and spirit to save the world from the power of the giants. And while they were staying on the bleak island, Odin and Frigga saw the sons of King Haralding, and both thought in them the spirit of the heroes could be fostered. Odin and Frigga made plans to bring the children to them, so that they might be under their care and training. One day the boys went fishing. A storm came and drove their boat on the rocks of the island, where Odin and Frigga lived. They brought them to their hut, and they told them they would care for them and train them over the winter, and that in the spring they would build a boat that would carry them back to their father's country. 
We shall see, said Odin to Frigga that night. We shall see which of the two can be formed into the noblest hero. He said that because Frigga favoured one of the boys, and he favoured the other. Frigga thought well of the older boy, Agnar, who had a gentle voice, quiet and had kindly ways. But Odin thought more of the younger boy, Geirud his name was, and he was strong and passionate, with a high and loud voice. Odin took Geirud into his charge, and showed him how to fish and hunt. He made the boy even bolder than he was, by making him leap from rock to rock, and by letting him climb the highest cliffs, and jump across the widest chasms. He would bring him to the den of the bear, and make him fight for his life, with the spear he had made for him. Agnar went to the chase too, and showed his skill and boldness, but Gerard overcame him in nearly every trial. What a hero Gerard would be, Odin would often say. Agnar strayed often with Frigga. He would stay beside her while she spun, listening to the tales she told, and asking such questions as brought him more and more wisdom. And Agnar heard of Asgard, and of the dwellers in Asgard, and how they protected Midgard, the world of men, from the giants of Jotunheim. Agnar, though he did not speak out, said in his own mind that he would give all his life and all his strength and all his thought to helping the work of the gods. Spring came and Odin built a boat for Gerrit and Agnar. They could go back now to their own country, and before they set out, Odin told Gerrit that one day he would come to visit him. And do not be too proud to receive a fisherman in your hall, Gerrit, said Odin. A king should give welcome to the poorest who comes to his hall. I will be a hero, no doubt about that, Gerrit answered. And I would be king too, only Agnar Littlegood was born before me. Agnar bade goodbye to Frigga and Odin, and thanking them for their care, they had taken to Gerard and himself. He looked into Frigga's eyes and he told her that he would strive to learn how he might fight the battle for the gods. The two went into the boat and they rowed away. They came near to King Haldring's realm. They saw the castle overlooking the sea, then Gerard did a terrible thing. He turned the boat back towards the sea, and he cast the oars away. Then, for he, he was well fit to swim the roughest sea and climb the highest cliffs. He plunged into the water and struck out towards the shore, and Agnar left without oars, went drifting out to sea. Gerard climbed the high cliffs and came to his father's castle. The king, who had given up both of his sons for lost, was rejoiced to see him. Gerard told of Agnar that he had fallen out of the boat on their way back, and that he had been drowned. The king, who had thought both of his sons were gone from him, was glad enough that one was safe home. 
he put Gerard beside him on the throne, and when he died, Gerard was made king of the people. And now Odin, having drunk from Mirma's well, went through the kingdoms of men, judging kings and simple people according to the wisdom he had gained. He came at last to the kingdom that Gerard ruled over. Odin thought that of all the kings he had judged to be noble, Gerard would assuredly be the noblest. He went to the king's house as a wanderer, blind of one eye, wearing a cloak of dark blue, with a wondrous staff in his hands. As he drew near, the king's horsemen on dark horses came riding behind him. The first of the men did not turn his horse as he came near the wanderer, but rode on, nearly trampling him to the ground. As they came before the king's house, the men of the dark horses shouted for servants. Only one servant was in the stable. He came out and took the horse of the first man. Then the others called upon the wanderer to tend to their horses. He had to hold the stirrups for some of them to dismount. Odin knew who the first man was. He was Gerard the king. And he knew who the man who had served in the stable was. He was Agnar. Garrett's brother. By the wisdom he had gained, he knew that Agnar had come back to his father's kingdom in the guise of a servant, and he knew that Garrett did not know who the servant was. They went into the stable together. Agnar took bread and broke it and gave some to the wanderer. He gave him two straw to seat himself on, but in a while Odin said, I would seat myself at the fire in the king's hall and eat my supper of meat. Nay, stay here, Agnar said. I will give you more bread and a wrap to cover yourself with. Do not go to the door of the king's house, for the king is angry today and he might repulse you. How, said Odin, a king turn away a wanderer who comes to his door? It cannot be that he would do it. Today he is angry, Agnar said. Again he begged him not to go to the door of the king's house. But Odin rose up from the straw on which he was seated and went to the door. A porter, hunchbacked and with long arms, stood at the door. I am a wanderer and I would like to have a rest and have food in the king's hall, Odin said. Not in this king's hall, said the hunchback porter. He would have barred the door to Odin, but the voice of the king called him away. Odin then strode into the hall and saw the king at table with his friends, all dark-bearded and cruel-looking men. And when Odin looked upon them, he knew that the boy whom he had trained in nobility had become a king over robbers. Since you've come into the hall where we eat, sing to his wanderer, shouted one of the dark men. Aye, I will sing to you, said Odin. Then he stood between two of the stone pillars in the hall and sang a song reproaching the king 
for having fallen into an evil way of life and denouncing all for following the cruel way of robbers. Seize him, said the king, when Odin's song was finished. The dark men threw themselves upon Odin and put chains around him and bound him between the stone pillars of the hall. He came into this hall for warmth, and warmth he shall have, said Gerard. He called upon his servants to heap up wood around him, and they did this. Then the king, with his own hand, put a blazing torch to the wood, and the wood blazed up around the wanderer. The wood burned round and round him, but the fire did not burn the flesh of Odin or father. The king and the king's friends stood around, watching with delight that the fires blaze round a living man. The wood all burned away, and Odin was left standing there, with his terrible gaze fixed upon the men who were so hard and cruel. They went to sleep, leaving him chained to the pillars of the hall. Odin could have broken the chains and pulled down the pillars, but he wanted to see what else would happen in the king's house. The servants were ordered not to bring food or drink to him, but at dawn, when there was no one near, Agnar came to him with a horn of ale and gave it to him to drink. The next evening when the king came back from his robberies, and when he and his friends, sitting down at the tables, had eaten like wolves, he ordered the wood to be placed around Odin, and again they stood around watching in delight as the fire played around a living man. And as before, Odin stood there unhurt by the fire, and his steady and terrible gaze made the king hate him even more and more. And all day he was kept in chains, and the servants were forbidden to bring him food or drink. None knew that a horn of ale was brought to him at dawn. Night after night, for eight nights this went on. Then on the ninth night, when the fires around him had been lighted, Odin lifted up his voice and began to sing a song. His song became louder and louder, and the king and the king's friends and the servants of the king's house had to stand still and hearken to it. Odin sang about Gerard, the king, how the gods had protected him, giving him strength and skill, and how instead of making a noble use of that strength and skill, he had made himself like one of the wild beasts. Then he sang of how the vengeance of the gods was about to fall on this ignoble king. The flames died down and Garrod and his friends saw before them not a friendless wanderer, but one who looked more kingly than any king of the earth. The chains fell down from his body and he advanced towards the evil company. Then Garrod rushed upon him with sword in hand to kill him. The sword struck him, but Odin remained unhurt. Thy life runs out, the gods, they are wroth with thee. Draw near if thou canst, Odin, thou shalt see, 
So Odin sang, and in fear of his terrible gaze, Gerard and his company shrank away. And as they shrank away, they were changed into beasts, into the wolves that range the forests. And Agnar came forward, and him Odin declared to be king. All the folk were glad when Agnar came to rule over them, for they had been oppressed by Gerard in his cruel reign, and Agnar was not only kind, but he was strong and victorious in his rule. Odin wins for men the magic mead. It was the dwarves who brewed the magic mead, and it was the giants who hid it away. But it was Odin who brought it from the place where it was hidden and gave it to the sons of men. Those who drink of the magic mead became very wise, and not only that, but they could put their wisdom into such beautiful words that everyone who heard would love and remember it. The dwarves brewed the magic mead through cruelty and villainy. They made it out of the blood of a man. The man was Kavzir the poet. He had wisdom and he had such beautiful words with it that what he said was loved and remembered by all. The dwarves brought Kavzir down into their caverns and they killed him there. Now, they said, we have Kavzir's blood and Kavzir's wisdom, but no one else will have his wisdom but us. They poured the blood into three jars, and they mixed it with honey, and from it they brewed the magic mead. Having killed a man, the dwarfs became more and more bold. They came out of their caverns, and went up and down through Midgard, the world of men. They went into Jotunheim, and began to play their evil tricks on the most harmless of the giants. They came upon one giant who was very simple. Gilling was his name. They persuaded Gilling to row them out to sea in a boat. Then the two most cunning of the dwarfs, Galar and Filar, steered the boat onto a rock. The boat split, Gilling, who could not swim, was drowned. The dwarfs clambered up on pieces of the boat and came safely ashore. They were so delighted with their evil tricks that they wanted to play some more of them. Galar and Filar then thought of a new piece of mischief they might do. They led their band of dwarfs to Gilling's house and screamed out to his wife that Gilling was dead. The giant's wife began to weep and lament as she rushed out of the house weeping and clapping her hands. Now Galar and Filar clambered up onto the lintel of the house, and as she came running out, they cast a millstone on her head. It struck her, and Gilling's wife fell down dead. More and more the dwarves were delighted at the destruction they were making. They were so insolent now that they made up songs and sang them, and the songs were all of a boast of how they killed Kavzir the poet and Gilling the giant, and Gilling's wife. They then stayed around Jottingheim, tormenting all whom they were able to torment. 
and flattering themselves that they were great and strong. They stayed too long, however. Satung, Gilling's brother, tracked them down and captured them. Satung was not harmless and simple like Gilling, his brother. He was cunning, and once they were in his hands, the dwarves had no chance of making an escape. He took them and left them on a rock in the sea, a rock that the tide would cover. The giant stood up in the water, taller than the rock, and the tide as it came in did not rise above his knees. He stood there watching the dwarves as the water rose up round them, and they became more and more terrified. Oh, take us off this rock, good Satung, they cried out to him. Take us off the rock, and we will give you gold and jewels. Take us off the rock, and we will give you a necklace as beautiful as it brings a gaman. So they cried out to him, but the giant only laughed at him. He had no need of gold or jewels. Then Philar and Galar cried out, Take us off the rock and we'll give you the jars of the magic mead we have brewed. The magic mead, said Satung. This is something that no one else has. It would be well to get it, for it might help us in the battle against the gods. Yes, I will get the magic mead from them. He took the band of dwarfs off the rock, but he held Galar and Philar, their chiefs, while the others went into their caverns and brought up the jars of the magic mead. Satung took the mead and brought it to a cavern in a mountain near his dwelling, and thus it happened that the magic mead, brewed by the dwarfs through cruelty and villainy, came into the hands of the giants. And the story now tells how Odin the eldest of the gods, at that time in the world as Vegetam the Wanderer, took the magic mead out of Satung's possession and brought it into the world of men. Now Satung had a daughter named Gonlod, and she by her goodness and her beauty was like Gerda and Skadi, the giant maids whom the dwellers in Asgard favoured. Sutung thought he might have a guardian for the magic mead, enchanted Gunlod, turning her from a beautiful giant maiden into a witch with long teeth and sharp nails. He shut her into the cavern where the jars of the magic mead were hidden. Odin heard of the death of Kavasir, who he honoured above all men. The dwarfs who slew him had closed up in their caverns so that they were never again able to come out into the world of men. And then he set out to get the magic mead that he might give it to men so that tasting it they would have wisdom and words would be at their command that would make wisdom loved and remembered. How Odin won the magic mead out of the rock-covered cavern where Satung had hidden it, and how he had broke the enchantment that lay upon Gunlord, Satung's daughter, is a story often told around the hearths of men. Nine strong thralls were mowing in a field as a wanderer 
went by clad in a dark blue cloak and carrying a wondrous staff in his hand. One of the thralls spoke to the wanderer. Tell them in the house of Bagi up yonder that I can mow no more until a whetstone to sharpen my scythe is sent to me. Here is a whetstone, said the wanderer, and he took one from his belt. The thrall who had spoken wetted his scythe with it and began to mow. The grass went down before his scythe as if the wind had cut it. Give us the whetstone, give us the whetstone, cried the other thralls. The wanderer threw the whetstone amongst them, leaving them quarrelling over it, and went on his way. The wanderer came to the house of Bagi, the brother of Satung. He rested in Bagi's house, and at supper time he was given food at the great table. And while he was eating with the giant, a messenger from the field came in. Bagi, said the messenger, your nine thralls are all dead. They killed each other with their scythes, fighting in the field about a whetstone. There are no thralls now to do your work. What shall I do, what shall I do, said Bagi the giant. My fields will not be mown now, and I shall have no hay to feed my cattle and my horses in the winter. I might work for you, said the wanderer. One man's work is no use to me, said the giant. I must have the work of nine men. I shall do the work of nine men, said the wanderer. Give me a trial and see. The next day, Vegetam the wanderer went into Bagi's field. He did as much work as the nine thralls had done in a day. Stay with me for the season, said Bagi. I shall give you a full reward. So Vegetam stayed at the giant's house and worked in the giant's fields. And when all the work of the season was done, Baugi said to him, Speak now and tell me what reward I am to give to you. The only reward I shall ask of you, said Vegetam, is a draught of the magic mead. The magic mead? said Baugi. I do not know where it is or how to get it. Your brother Satung has it. Go to him and claim a draught of the magic mead for me. Borgi went to Satung, but when he heard what he had come for, the giant Satung turned on his brother in a rage. A draught of the magic mead, he said. To no one will I give a draught of the magic mead. I have not enchanted my daughter, Gunlod, so that she may watch over it. And you tell me that a wanderer who has done the work of nine men for you asks a draw to the magic mead for his fee? O oh, giant, as foolish as Jilling, an oath of a giant, who could have done such work for you, and who would demand such a fee from you, but one of our enemies, the Azir? Go from me now and never come to me again with talk of the magic mead. Balgi went to his house and told the wanderer that Satung would yield none of the magic mead. I hold you to your bargain, said Vegetam the wanderer, and you will have to get me that fee I asked. Come with me now and help me to get it. He made Balgi bring him to the place where the magic mead was hidden. 
the place was a cavern in the mountain. In front of that cavern was a great mass of stone. We cannot move that stone, nor get through it, said Baugi. I cannot help you with your fee. The wanderer drew an auger from his belt. This will bore through the rock, if there is strength behind it. You have the strength, giant. Begin now and bore. Baugi took the auger in his hands, and bored with all his strength, and the wanderer stood by leaning on his staff, calm and majestic, in his cloak of blue. I have made a deep, deep hole. It goes through the rock, Baugi said at last. The wanderer went to the hole and blew into it. The dust of the rock flew back into their faces. So that is your boasted strength, giant, he said. You have not bored halfway through the rock. Work again. Then Baugi took the auger again, and he bored deeper and deeper into the rock. And he blew into it, and lo, his breath went through. Then he looked at the wanderer to see what he would do. His eyes had become fierce, and he held the auger in his hands, as if it was a stabbing knife. Look at the head of the rock, said the wanderer. As Baugi looked up, the wanderer changed himself into a snake and glided into the hole in the rock. And Baugi struck at him with the auger, hoping to kill him, but the snake slipped through. Behind the mighty rock, there was a hollow place all lighted up by the shining crystals in the rock. And within the hollow place, there was an ill-looking witch, with long teeth and sharp nails. But she sat there rocking herself, and letting tears fall from her eyes. O oh, youth and beauty, she sang, O oh, sight of men and women, sad, sad for me, it is that you are shut away, and that I have only this closed-in cavern and this horrible form. A snake glided across the floor. Oh, that you were deadly, and that you might slay me, cried the witch. The snake glided past her, then she heard a voice softly speak. Gunlord, Gunlord. She looked around, and there, standing behind her, was a majestic man, clad in a cloak of dark blue. Odin, the eldest of the gods. You must have come to take the magic mead that my father has set me here to guard, she cried. You shall not have it. Rather shall I spill it out on the thirsty earth of the cavern. Gunlord, he said, and he came to her. She looked at him, and she felt the red blood of youth come back into her cheeks. She put her hands with their sharp nails over her breast, and she felt the nails drive into her flesh. Save me from all this ugliness, she cried. I will save you, Odin said. He went to her, he took her hands and held them, he kissed her on the mouth. All the marks of ill favour went from her. She was no longer bent, but tall and shapely. Her eyes became wide and deep blue, her mouth became red, and her hands soft and beautiful. 
she became fair as Gerda, the giant maid whom Frey had wed. They stayed looking at each other, then they sat down side by side and talked softly to each other. Odin, the eldest of the gods, and Gunnlod, the beautiful giant maiden. She gave him the three jars of the magic mead, and she told him she would go out of the cavern with him. Three days passed and still they were together. Then Odin, by his wisdom, found hidden paths and passages that led out of the cavern, and he brought Gunnlod out into the light of the day. And he brought with him the jars of the magic mead, the mead whose taste gives wisdom, and wisdom in such beautiful words that all love and all remember it. And Gunnlod, who had tasted a little bit of the magic mead, wandered through the world, singing of the beauty and the might of Odin, and her love for him.